So far, 2023 has been another year defined by global challenges. But as we head past the halfway point in the calendar, just how is the real assets sector adapting to the global permacrisis? We are definitely seeing an ongoing adjustment in the real estate market and the valuations as well, led by the UK in particular, but still the valuations are lagging the investment market where agents are, are indicating that yields have moved out more. I'm Andrew Belt, and a warm welcome to the Patcast, the podcast from Patrizia, the leading partner in global real assets. In the first Patcast of 2023, we gazed into our crystal ball to understand some of the key trends and themes that would shape the global investment landscape over the next 12 months. And now, at the halfway point of the year, we take stock of the past six months and examine how the market may continue to unfold in the second half of the year. Walking us through this special mid-year review is Radu Mercia, a director in Patrizia's investment strategy and research team, who shares his thoughts on what the market needs to bounce back, as well as which sectors will offer the brightest spots for investors. But first up, as the world grapples with some of the highest interest rates and inflation seen in decades, we asked Radu about how the current economic environment compares to that seen in the wake of the global financial crisis. From a macroeconomic environment point of view, the current environment is definitely different compared to the post-GFC environment. In Europe in particular, we're seeing a policy mix that is more favorable for economic growth, uh, largely thanks to more appetite for fiscal spending and the need to invest in the green transition and in public infrastructure in the defense sector. And this compares to a post-GFC period of fiscal restraint. However, this stance will be more inflationary and will need to be kept in check by higher interest rates. So another key difference compared to the post-global financial crisis cycle. From a more short-term perspective, the expectations for growth in Europe have improved in the last 6 to 12 months. As the impact of the energy crisis fades, although some countries like Germany are seeing more near-term headwinds due to the global manufacturing downturn post-pandemic. But generally, Europe is arguably earlier in the recovery cycle compared to the US, for instance, having deployed much less stimulus as a percentage of GDP during the pandemic. And with the exception of the UK, we're also seeing a sustained fall in the inflation rate, which is taking the pressure off central banks. And that brings us probably closer to the end of the uh, tightening cycle today. Regarding the second part of your question, in terms of the drivers of returns, a key difference compared to the GFC and Eurozone debt crisis years is that back then we had the big supply overhang, which also coincided with a disappointing economic recovery or even a double dip recession. Whereas now we're starting from a general undersupply of quality real estate. This certainly applies for urban logistics, residential grade A CBD offices, and some of the alternative sectors too. And looking beyond the current macro risk or near-term clouds on the horizon, this undersupply should really support robust uh, rental growth over the medium term. A second key difference in terms of the drivers of returns is the increased importance of ESG credentials and the decarbonization agenda which is reflected in in regulation, in the approach taken by urban planners, and in the increasing bifurcation of tenant and investor demand. 
Uh, Europe remains quite significantly ahead on the E in ESG, and value creation will be key in what we expect to be a decarbonization-led asset management cycle in Europe. This is also evidenced by the results of the Patrizia client survey conducted in 2023, which showed strong expectations from investors for driving value through smart asset management. A total of 85% of investors expected an increase in brown to green retrofit projects, whilst two-thirds anticipate greater investment in refurbishment capex. At the same time, ESG is considered by the the respondents uh, to be firmly embedded in decision-making. Nearly 90% of investors capture and use the ESG data of their investments, with 70% viewing ESG criteria as an important part of the investment process. So the the, the level of commitment showed by by the numbers in, in this survey among our clients to decarbonize the built environment is encouraging for our sustained effort to achieve net zero carbon across our portfolio. Lastly, a key focus will remain income resilience, and this is probably a similarity to the post-GFC environment, preferably with a strong inflation link given the higher inflationary pressures that we're seeing in Europe at the moment. And interestingly, in, in, in Europe, we are seeing a pretty meaningful ongoing repricing which is starting to also offer mispriced income opportunities, including in defensive segments such as light industrial or necessity retail, for instance. When do we think the market will bounce back and what do we think the market needs in this current environment? I'd start with a snapshot of the market today. And so far, we have seen a very weak 2023 in, in Europe as well with less than half of the investment volume activity from an average year being transacted and and also limited signs of an imminent pickup in activity. The numbers of uh, buyers and sellers currently active in the market and the deals pending are hovering around record low levels, according to the data we've analyzed from uh, MSCI Real Capital Analytics. Also, from a multi-asset perspective, there's generally less pressure to deploy capital to, to real estate. Public markets have repriced more, and that left investors in private markets overweight, therefore reducing the size and number of new commitments because of this denominator effect issue. Also, with investment-grade corporate bonds or sovereigns yielding more than three, 400 basis points higher than at the end of 2021, the real estate risk premium has also narrowed quite significantly. We are definitely seeing an ongoing adjustment in the real estate market and the valuations as well, led by UK, the UK in particular. But still, the valuations are lagging the investment market where agents are, are indicating that yields have moved out more. At the same time, it's fair to admit that the relatively low volume being transacted in the market is, is limiting price discovery with mainly higher quality assets trading at the moment. Also, the... Uh, Debt is generally less available as banks pulled back and alternative lenders remain very expensive. Where we are seeing a pickup in activity in this context is in repriced market segments where debt has become accretive again. And we're also expecting distressed opportunities to, to emerge driven by highly leveraged sellers who cannot manage funding gaps as interest rates are expected to, to remain higher for longer.
In this more capital-constrained environment, Patrizia's excellent access to debt markets with a wide array of lending partners is helping us connect our best investment ideas, particularly in, in the value-add space with appropriate financing. And this is a key advantage in the current market environment. Whilst the market is still adjusting to a, to a higher interest rate environment, which is, uh, as I mentioned, likely to persist in the near term at least, we're also seeing a, a better entry point for thematic research-led investors. At Patricia, our approach has been to focus on high-conviction, scalable investment themes supported by our house view. And our approach typically complements the decades of local expert knowledge with sophisticated algorithms and machine learning methods that help us refine our understanding of locations and market trends. Just to give you a few examples, we've managed to uh, spot a urban logistics market with high rental growth potential early and support or inform the strategy for assembling a significant portfolio of urban logistics assets for our value-add programs. Another example is the uh, Patrizia Amenities Magnet 15 Minutes, which pulls in data intelligence to benchmark to what degree a residential or commercial property location will supply tenants with basic urban needs, such as commuting, education, for instance, within a 15-minute bicycle ride or, or walk. This allows us to have a very thoughtful approach for finding good risk-adjusted opportunities within the key themes supported by our house view at Patricia. And ultimately, to, to come back to the latter part of your question, it's difficult to forecast the specific point in time for the bounce back in, in the European real estate market. But from a conceptual point of view, what the market probably needs for a more sustained pickup in activity is a combination of the following. Firstly, the repricing feeding through to a broader extent in order to close the gap between buyers and sellers from a pricing point of view. Secondly, continued occupational market strength, which, which we have seen so far, in order to refocus the analysis from the, from the yield question to the rental and NOI side of the equation. And thirdly, a fall in the cost of debt potentially as central banks slowly pivot towards easing policy as they get inflation under control and they become more concerned with the negative impact on the economy of this tight monetary policy environment. Where are the winners and losers? Do we think it will still be beds and sheds that are the bright spot? Regarding beds and sheds, as I was just mentioning, one of the necessary conditions for a pickup in market activity is this sustained occupational strength. And, and beds and sheds are the obvious examples where the structural drivers behind the market are most likely going to keep the upward pressure on rents. So the short answer would be yes. For the living sectors in particular, we've definitely seen more institutional investment over the last decade. The living sectors now account for roughly a third of European investment market. But at the same time, it's still a relatively nascent sector in many countries in Europe. Investors are still underallocated and see the opportunity of increasing allocations to a sector that has proven defensive, supported by structural tailwinds, and also offering inflation protection, particularly over the medium term. Student housing is one 
segment within living, which is currently seeing a lot of interest, particularly in less mature continental European markets, thanks to the strong demand and supply imbalance and the combination of short duration and less regulation on rental increases, which is an advantage in the current inflationary environment. Industrial has obviously seen a pretty significant relative outperformance globally over the last cycle. And the secular trends remained very strong. The supply remains constrained, albeit we're seeing some cyclical headwinds, if you want, driving a normalization of market conditions in, in the first half of 2023. But nevertheless, the outlook for from an occupancy and rental standpoint, remains probably strongest among the mainstream sectors in Europe. From a pricing point of view, the sector is is also in a period of uh, price discovery. But as I mentioned, the prospects for industrial rental growth and capturing the embedded reversion will continue to drive a a lot of investors towards the sector over the next couple of years. We're also seeing a lot of inches for um, alternative sectors in Europe, several of which have really strong fundamentals. Just to give you one example, we think the prospects for data centers are particularly strong at the moment. Supply is constrained because of scarce land and power availability and demand tailwinds, if anything, seem to be accelerating with new breakthroughs such as the next wave of uh, artificial intelligence models driving new demand for data centers. For offices, the picture is definitely more mixed. What gives us comfort is that fundamentals, particularly on the supply side, seem to be better in Europe. Much lower vacancy compared to the US, for instance, low future supply, and also less pronounced demand headwinds. At the same time, we are uh, seeing more polarization by location and asset quality, and the, the increasing focus on sustainability and the shifting occupy demand towards well-amenitized grade-A buildings, particularly in CBD locations in the European context, will definitely create more dispersion of performance within the sector. This will create offices more capex-intensive as well, but also create rental growth pressure for that prime stock in good locations in the top cities in Europe. All in all, the investing in the office sector in Europe as well should involve a more careful stock selection approach and value-enhancing strategy through management close to the asset. Finally, regarding retail, uh, we are starting to, to see more opportunities after a fairly long period of relative underperformance. The consumer is in a better place as the big squeeze on real incomes we've seen in 2022 in particular is fading. The market has passed the inflection point following the steep value declines during the pandemic, but still there remains a lot of caution, which is unsurprising given the enduring competition and uh, structural headwinds coming from e-commerce. But we, we still think there needs to be a selective approach within the retail sector because there are a number of segments that will continue to be defensive going forward. For instance, retail with omnichannel adapted tenants where rents have remained or rebased to more sustainable levels or necessity-based food-anchored retail in a number of countries in Europe in particular. Location will will continue to remain critical with assets and and supply-constrained locations around the major urban areas, for instance, with alternative use potential continuing to trade at much keener pricing than assets in B or C locations. 
Thanks to Radu, and thank you for listening. I'm Andrew Belt, and you've been listening to the podcast from Patrizia. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to head over to our website, patrizia.ag, to find out more. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk.